And like, I look at it and I'm like, all right, where's the rest of it? And they're like, no, no, this is it. I'm like, this is it. I'm like, come on, man. Like, we're, <laughs> now they had some, they had some bigger props in different areas for more advanced stuff, but for just the basic structural collapse, I was like, this is it. And they're like, that's it, man. And, and I, you know, I was like, I, I mean, I can recre recreate some of this. Like, Thoughts and opinions by Job Talks podcast members and guests are not representative of any department, organization, or city. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Job Talks podcast. Uh, you know the drill. Please feel free to like and share and subscribe to our channel. We got a, another guest in the house today, and Barry, who do we got with us today? So what's up, guys? Uh, we're fortunate to have uh, my close friend, Austin Graham, uh, from Slidell, Louisiana. I initially met Austin down at training in Miami at a CMC ropes class, uh, and we hit it off. I was fortunate to be able to soak up some knowledge from him. Uh, so Austin, thank you for coming on the show. We're, we're super happy to have you, man. Um, I'm honored to be here, man. Uh, I was pretty uh, stoked when you asked you know, you, you were like, man, would you be interested? I was like, of course I'd be interested. <laughs> so, uh, you know, anything to help you guys out. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, so we've, we've dived into, into the training world a little bit. So when we were talking about, you know, when I initially, when we initially had the conversation about, Hey, who could we, uh, reach out to regarding, you know, training and implementing training programs, you were the first person I thought of, uh, just because one of the first things that, I vividly remember about you was how passionate you were uh, for developing training programs and uh, kind of like just imagining, I guess, imagining the possibilities of what can be done uh, either with limited resources or a lot. And I was, I was super impressed with uh, how passionate Slidell was and how, you know, what, what you guys were doing. So I thought, I thought it would be great to have you on to kind of share um, what you've built, um, where Slidell's at and where you guys hope to go in the future. And um just, you know, offer those tips and tricks for, for all the guys and gals that are listening that, to um, bring up their own programs. Absolutely. Um, so I will start off by saying, you said, you said, you know, what I built and I will let you know right now, it was not just me. Um, yeah. I, ha I got some, I had some great guys with me, um, and, uh, you know, helped me along the way. And, uh, it was definitely a team effort. Um, and you know everyone brought something to the table and that was that was the most important thing was absolutely you know, working as a team and and collaborating our ideas and like just bouncing those ideas off each other and that just made our props that we built even better so absolutely uh, i think if if one person you know goes at trying to develop programs or, or building props alone uh they're going to struggle man and and if they would just you know humble themselves and, and, and ask for help. That's, you know, and there's, there's tons of help out there and we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. later. So. Absolutely. So um, before we get it, I guess, before we get into kind of the meat, meat and potatoes of the conversation, do you want to kind of tell the listeners about yourself, uh, your fire service background, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, so my, my name is Austin Graham. So I've been in the fire service since 2008. So about 15 years um, started off, uh, volunteering uh with past christians uh volunteer in mississippi so i actually i am from mississippi i live in mississippi and i commute over to slide louisiana which is about 30 miles from me um <clears throat> right right on the border mississippi and louisiana um 
so I'm on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and uh, like I said, I got started in 2008. Um, I uh, prior to that, I was a, a machinist, and um, so was was doing that, and you know, going to a shop every day, and and you know, doing production work. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed making things, but you know, just going to the same building every day for years. I was like, man, I need some excitement in my life. And um, so uh, ended up getting on with the volunteer group and then kind of got actually before I even went to to uh, 1001, uh, I had my hazmat tech. I was a rope tech. I got all that as a volunteer my first year. Um, And, you know, just because I I, I had a bunch of buddies. I grew up. uh, My dad was a fireman for a little while when I was younger and. So I'd always had an interest in it. And um, actually, I was an explorer when I was 15. I was a chief of my little explorer group. And my best friend was my assistant chief, man. We had a great time with that. And That's then, awesome. Yeah. And so we got pictures of us when we were teenagers sitting on a, a car that we cut up, you know, for a Boy Scout demonstration. And so, you know, it's kind of cool to look back. I'm, I'm 40 years old now. And, you know, look back at, you know, at, at some of that stuff. It's pretty cool that, you know, that, that we actually had the sense to keep, you know, take pictures and do that stuff. But, um, so like I said, volunteered 2008, 2009, I finally got hired on. I was trying to get on. It took, took about six months to get, get on. And I started in Diablo, Mississippi, right North of Biloxi. And, um, and that was my introduction to the fire service. And I was just eager to learn. And, um, one of the good things I took away from my first department was very limited funds, and especially for training. And so, you know, here I was a little bit older. I had a little bit of life experience and I'm sitting here going, you know, 25, 26 years old. I'm saying, all right, you know, I need to maximize my education in this field. And and what, how can I do that? And so, like I said, on a shoestring budget, luckily in the state of Mississippi, I was fortunate. A lot of the technical rescue and the hazmat uh, programs were grant funded. So I was able to get a lot of those uh, classes uh, free. And uh, so obviously I took those very quickly, got all that, all those certifications. And then, um, you know, then I'm standing there going, okay, well, what's next? Well, us and, and uh, so then I ended up doing a lot of free classes, which we'll talk about later uh in the in the chat here i got a little section on that um but uh you know taking a bunch of free classes you know just building my resume and uh it was a great experience you know especially at that small department you know talking 30 guys total that including the chief and admin you know so you know just the the difficulties of a small department of you know you want to do things properly and you know and and in in you know, go about that, but you, you know, you can't because limited funding or limited manpower, things like that. So, um, so eventually I, uh, was decided, okay, man, it's time for me to, to move on to something bigger. Um, I won't say better because I tell guys all the time, especially when, you know, we got, we have, uh, newer guys when I was a training Academy, you know, always tell the, the newer guy, young guys coming in and said, man, if I could go back, to the first five years of my career, and I could just stay there, that that time span. If that's that's you know, if I could magically live in that five year period, I said I don't care how much money they paid me, 
I said, I would just stay right there. I said, those were probably the five best years of my life. I learned so much. I never laughed so much, had so much fun. It was just, it was the best, you know, riding in the back. Those first few years, you know what I mean? Just like sitting and enjoying it and like taking it all in, man. I, I a hundred percent understand that. Yeah. And, uh, and the guy, man, the guys I was with, man, you know, I grew with, you know, they, they molded me, they, you know, they shaped me and, and we were just a tight knit group. And, um, eventually I got promoted to operator and they were like, all right, well, you're gonna have to move shifts. And I didn't, I really, I almost thought, you know, I'm not going to take this promotion because I don't want to move. I don't want to leave my, my guys, but I'm also, you know, goal oriented. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm going to take this promotion, but that was kind of the, 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 the thing that start led to me to saying, all right, it's time to, time to move on because, you know, that, that little magical period ended and, and it was, you know, then it was time to focus on me. And so I ended up leaving there and I ended up in Slidell, Louisiana. I had a couple guys that I knew that worked over there and, um, they, um, you know, one of them called me and said, Hey man, look, you need to come put in over here. Cause they heard I was, I was looking and, um, and, and I don't, I don't know if y'all want to get into it of all the, 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 the differences of Mississippi yeah. versus Louisiana. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, hey man, this okay. is your show. Yeah. So, no. you know, one of the, well, and I, I always tell people one of the big, the biggest the factors of leaving Mississippi um, cause I will say Mississippi is very prideful in the fire service, you know, about their fire service in the state and, uh, the training Academy in Mississippi, if, if you ever have get a chance, I, I, I put it, it's in, it's, you know, one of the top training facilities in the country. It is a beautiful, uh, facility, uh, top notch instructors, um, you know, Mississippi's last in a lot of things, but the fire Academy is not one of them. And, um, Very some, cool. some amazing instructors there. <clears throat> and, no, it it uh, seems like a lot of the programs down South are, are very, very strong. Yes. And especially the technical rescue stuff with Mississippi state fire Academy. Um, they, like I said, they have the props, they have the personnel and, um, and all that. So, <clears throat> but the big, the big factor for me was the retirement. So Mississippi at the time, it was 25 year system. Now it's a 30 year system. And, um, you get after 30 years, you get 50% of your pay. So, and, uh, you know, and, and Mississippi pays, pay is not very high. So 50% of not much of anything, you know, didn't really equal up to a whole lot. So you had Louisiana, which paid a, a good bit more, but they also had a better, retirement system in, in as far as the potential, you earned 3.3% a year. So if you did a 30 year career in Louisiana, you got 99.9% of your pay with oh, wow. decent pay. So wow. yes. And, and you, think, you go through your drop. We, we always say like, listen, if you could do it for free, you'd do it for free. Right. But right. you gotta, you gotta also make decisions that take care of you, you and your family. And, and that, uh, that sounds like a no brainer on your, in Ab- your absolutely. And so, you know, that was, that was the deciding factor with me saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to jump ship over to Louisiana and I'm basically going to start over, uh, over there. Uh, I had six years, six years in, uh, in the system of Mississippi. And I was all, you know, at six years, I was kind of like, all right, I'm on the fence. Either, either I'm committed to Mississippi or it's time to move on. If I stay any longer, 
I'm kind of stuck. So it was to, for me, it was that around that time, you know, I needed to make that decision. And uh, so I went and pulled the trigger and, you know, it, it worked out great for me. So um, ended up, like I said, take, going to, so I say, I keep saying Slidell, uh, Slidell fire is probably, you know, what uh, most people would, you know, recognize, but technically we're St. Tammany fire district number one. And that's a, that's a mouthful. So I usually get a safe Slidell fire. So, um, but uh, so went over there. And uh, three years in, uh, opportunity once again presented itself. I was a firefighter, been there three years. So now, you know, I've got roughly nine, 10 years on the job. And we had a training position come open. <clears throat> and I'd always been interested in training. Uh, I enjoyed going to class and, and learning and things. And I always told myself, I, you know, I'd love to be an instructor one day. So there was an opportunity to train academy. Um, and uh, they didn't fill the position. It, it went unfilled. Saw the, the chief of training walk by his office one day. I said, hey, chief, you fill that position? He said, no. I said, well, man, I said, I'm interested. I said, but I haven't, I haven't been here long enough. I haven't, you know, really three years to me was not long enough to really gain the, you know, some of these senior guys, you know, earn that respect, yeah. you know, and uh, he told me he didn't care. <laughs> he said, put in. He goes, I need somebody. And, um, so I put in and um, and end up getting the position. Uh, I did have a little bit of competition. I had a 20-year captain put in uh, also at the same time, and, and it went up. You know, me and him. I was thought surely they're going to pick this 20-year captain over a three-year firefighter, but you know things worked out, and uh, they ended up choosing me. And so I went in uh, into into the training division, and. Um, I did five years there. So this past March, um, I actually took myself uh, out of training and put myself back on the truck. Um, so I've been I've been on the truck a few months, back on the truck a few months now. So I'm I'm back down to firefighter again, back where I left <laughs> off. But uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. And um, you know, uh, I enjoyed the training. I learned so much in training. Uh, it was it was a wonderful experience, and and we're going to talk about some of that that experience today. Um, but uh, you know, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, Work, you know, had a had a great chief chief of training who who supported me and 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 really you know pushed me. Uh, sometimes when I didn't like it, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's how you know they're the good ones. Yeah, and. Uh, and the guys that I, that I worked with too, my my training officers other, uh, that I worked with, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty laid back kind of guy. I just kind of go with it, uh, you know. And um, and then some some people are you know wound a little more a little tighter than I am, and I can drive them crazy because of how lackadaisical I am sometimes about things. And uh, you know, that's that's something I learned in training. Uh, you know, we we had some 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 hard conversations with each other, you know, we'd, we'd sit in a room and shut the door and say, all right, the, this is what, this is what the issue I got with you, you know, and, yeah. you know, and I'm not scared of hard conversations and I can, I can take it, you know, and, but, uh, and it was good, but, uh, you know, like I said, but after five years, five days a week, I, I missed my two days off. We, so we worked 24, 48s. I missed, okay. I missed okay. having days off during the week to, 
to do things. My wife works it from home now. My dad's retired. Both well, actually, both my parents are retired. You know, so now I can, you know, on a Tuesday, I can go fishing with my dad if I want to, you know. And Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, so that work-life balance, you know, that it just, it made sense to go back to the trucks. And I took a little bit of pay cut, you know, but, it, it you know, it's just money. You can't take it with you. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm fortunate, you know, my wife does well. So, um, but, uh, so, yeah, we, um so that's where I'm at. Um, also, uh, so I've, I've never left my volunteer department that I started with in 2008. So I'm currently the assistant chief uh, with them um, as well. So uh, awesome. I, I enjoy that, um, you know, working with them. And, and so even though I've left the training academy in Slide L, I still go out there and help and do things and, and contribute. And, and the same for my volunteer department. They're actually a combination department. So um, I help with the volunteers oh, nice. and the full time there. They're a very small department. Um, so, you know, help with them. So it's, you know, that, this, that's my hometown. I, I yeah. wish they uh, I, I wish they could afford me because I'd love <laughs> to work for my hometown, you know, and because yeah. and, and, I, I know everybody under the sun in town. So but, uh, it's, you know, but it's I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah, so. It's important to give back. I always tell people like I, I started as. Uh, as a call firefighter, so same deal. Um, like they have very small. Um, I think they have six six career members, and the rest of the force is supplemented by by call members. And that's where I started. I started at sixteen as an auxiliary firefighter. Um, so I yeah, it's always it's always one of the conversations we have is like when you when you go to the you know the big city. I always say like it's important to highlight the work that these call and volunteer departments are doing. They're they're being innovative with less. Um, and they, they have to do it all. Like, so in the city, you know, like you have people that might be strictly focusing on engine company operations or truck company operations, but you, you know, in these smaller departments, you have to kind of be a jack of all trades. You got to be proficient with yeah. everything. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and so, you know, Mississippi is, is, is not a very rich state, so there's not a lot of money to go around. So, you know, cutting my teeth in Mississippi and learning to do, like you said, do, do more with less. I remember, you know, go showing them on big fires and there's like only five of us and that's it. You know, that's all you got. And, yeah. and then I, I move over to Louisiana to slide L where, you know, we were running 40, 45, 50 guys on a shift. And, yep. uh, you know, we have a commercial structure fire and, and you make one interior attack and, and then your bell goes off and they're like, get out. It's like, well, I'm used to go until my bell, bell's barely ringing and they're yeah. like, go hit rehab. And I'm like, what is rehab? And, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was it was definitely an adjustment whenever I went to the larger department. And um, I will say it is nice to to get a break, you know, yeah. and not have to work for hours on end. But it is uh, it is definitely a, a, cult, a culture shift. Um, yes. because we're, you know, we're pretty similar, similarly staffed. Our, our minimum manning now is 50. Uh, and if you're pretty much not on that first due or second due assignment, like you're scrambling for work, you're waiting in line to get in there. And, um, Absolutely. so that's the, the benefit of being in a smaller town. There's, there's no shortage of work to be done. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's a lot, but you're definitely going to get a well-rounded experience. Yeah. So yeah. us, uh, us being silly Northerners, I, I do have a question about uh so you you guys are saint tammany fire district do you guys have do you have parishes down there that's like your county based 
So, so yeah, so we, so Louisiana, only, only, uh, state in the, in the country, we, we don't call them counties, we call them parishes. So, um, and growing up in Mississippi, so close to Louisiana, you know, we have counties, Mississippi, but you just, we just automatically knew, Hey, parish, you know, when you're talking about Louisiana. So, um, because sometimes I get a funny look when I travel across, you know, in the country and, and, and I'll be like, yeah, you know, I work in St. Tammany Parish. And they're like, parish? What's a what's a parish? You know, <laughs> like a church or. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, so, yeah, so we're um, actually in our parish. It's, it's a very large parish. Uh, it's it's almost uh, size of basically two counties in Mississippi. So this this thing is is probably close to 50 miles wide. The, the the parishes and uh it covers wow. quite a bit of ground but it's yeah. also a lot of marsh and swamp areas so but uh yeah i mean we're we're, we're 6.2 square miles so i'm looking at the the 186 square miles only it's yeah a, so i'm about to say so we're we're 186 square miles and 65 of those square miles is wetlands that we cover um yeah. but it's still a, a big run and we cover the city of slidell uh, that's our main area, but we also cover the outlying areas around Slidell that's uh, outside the city limits. Um, there's, uh, thir- I think there's only 13 parishes now, some of them combined, some of the smaller rural, uh, not parishes, uh, fire districts, I'm sorry. Some of the fire districts absorb some of the other ones, so we're down to like 12 or 13 fire districts in the parish, and uh, there's only one city fire department in the uh in the parish, uh, one, one city's got its own little, little pocket, but everywhere else is a fire district. And we're, so we're managed by, uh, by the parish itself. So think of it as, as we're run by the county, we're a county fire service. Okay. And, and we, and we, we get our money from millage and, uh, and tax revenue. So the upside to that is, is that we, uh, we don't have to answer to the, any city, so there's no city reaching into our our coffers and, and, and pulling money out uh, to supplement other costs within the city. So, um, and so for our department at, with 190 uh, 190-ish employees, uh, with eight stations, and and we have one under construction, our number nine under construction, and a tenth is being planned. Um, we're, our bu- annual budget is 24, a little over 24 million a year. So wow. we have a very, very large budget. Um, and, um, and we, we have nice things. <laughs> we have, yeah. we have, no, I was, I was, I, I was blown away. Um, I mean, I had, I had such a blast with you guys <laughs> in Miami, like, um, with, with Drew and the gang and, um but i was i was blown away i was like i can't because i was i was a, at that point i was a self-funded operation man i was down there just trying to trying to soak up some training and i couldn't believe yep. that was like the first exposure i had had i'm like i'm like dang your department sent you guys down here it's incredible um so but, yeah, yeah and i'll get into it I'll, in I'll, I'll get into the miami thing kind of how we how we got into all that um yeah i'm gonna get into building the, yeah. the program about but uh, yes, I got I got some some good stories with that. Yeah. So no, Drew, but, Drew uh, and Tim were <laughs> probably some of my favorite people from that class. It was awesome. So, yeah, so I guess right off the bat, right. So when you when you got to the to the training division, 
what what was the landscape like? Was it a, a pretty developed program? Like what you know, I, I want to say, what did you inherit? But when, yeah. when you walked so, in, what were you walking into? So so when I when I took on this training role, there was I had a chief of training and one other training officer, and and then myself. So it was you know me green green as can be as a training officer. I had you know both uh, the chief of training had just got promoted a year prior to the chief of training. So both both these guys were training officers for almost ten plus years. They they kind of had been the wow. staple at this at this uh, training academy. And so one of my first days, I went to my chief of training and I said I said hey let's let's take a walk around the grounds. I said. I, I want to know what is your vision? What is your plan for this academy? So we have six acres that we lease. Uh, so we're on a National Guard base. We lease it from the National Guard. Um, it was a deal they worked out years ago where they were they were trying to they were shutting down military bases across the state, some of the National Guard bases, and they were trying to find a reason to keep it open. So they allowed police and fire to uh, lease property and put their training academies out there. And we have, sh so the PD has uh, shooting ranges and in their academy, we have our six acres. And um, and then uh, we have FBI has, has their own training area. We have, you know, we got some federal agencies out there as well. So, Interesting. Um, and I was gonna ask if they let you guys uh, use tanks or not. Have they let you guys oh. use the tanks or not? <laughs> um, Actually, if we ask after hours, they'll, they'll they'll let us get out there and play a little bit, um, and I'll get into that as well because I had to actually borrow some of their stuff to build my props, and that's kind of <laughs> part of my my spiel about you know how to you know do do more with less. But uh, we need we need some machine guns to clear this brush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, so we uh, so we walked the grounds. He gave me his vision, and and I said, all right. I said, I'm in. You know, I'm, I'm and, and so his name was is, is John Bauer, Chief Bauer. And I told him, I said, all right, man, I said, I'm, I'm team Bauer. Let's do it. You know, this is yeah. this is the direction you want to head. I said, I'm, I love it and let's make it happen. And so, you know, so then at the time, all we had was a uh, a tower. So we had we had a, a, a tower that we burned on the first floor. It had two giant rooms to burn in. So no walls, just big open rooms. And then. It was a uh, four-story tower, with, and then the roof we would we could you know repel off of. And um, outside of that, um, we didn't have a whole lot. Uh, we had a, a a center block house that basically that we they had built. Uh, one of the old chiefs started the project and never finished it. It had turned into a storage building, and um, and. Our other storage building we had was was taken over by special operations. They needed somewhere to put all their boats and and all their equipment. So we we didn't even have that building that was on our grounds. We couldn't have had no access to it. And um, other than that, we had a little train uh, with uh, a little uh, engine bay to 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 uh, pay engine bay. And so we uh, that was it, man. And um what really kicked it off for me though so we're you know we had all these ideas but it, we really didn't know all right how, how do we even make all this happen you know how, yeah what do we, how do we even go about this and we weren't quite sure because we you know we just we just didn't know and yeah. 
So what happened, um, I ended up going asking to go to Teeks in Texas, Texas A&M. I went to Structural Collapse 1 and 2, 80-hour uh, program, 10 days straight, just great class, physically miserable because you're 10 days. It's It was Saturday, Sunday, 10 days straight. There was no break and um, and, and just powered through. But, you know, prior to that, I'd always, you know, dreamed of going to teaks so um and and i, I kind of in my mind i had teaks on this on this pedestal you know i had it up you know in yeah. my mind and so i go and i go to teaks and, and you know i'm so excited to be there you know i'm like these are these are the guys you know all my instructors were at 9 11 like they were the second yeah. wave into the they were in the hole at 9 11 like these guys you know you just looked at them they like they walked out of a movie you know, they yeah, were just the real deal. They were, they were, yeah, they're the real deal. They're all Texas Task Force One uh, member, founding members. Um, you know, these guys had done it all, man. And and you just look at them in awe. You know, listen to their stories, and yeah. so man, I was so excited. And we go out to the little training field that we're doing the structure collapse. And like, I look at it, and I'm like, all right, where's the rest of it? And they're like, oh no, this is it. I'm like, this is it. I'm like, come on, man, like. We're, now they had some, they had some bigger props in different areas for more advanced stuff, but for just the basic structural collapse, I was like, "This is it." No, like, that's it, man. And and I, you know, I was like, I, I mean, I can recre recreate some of this. Like I, you know, with my machining background, machining and welding background, you know, I was like, I can do this. So I took a bunch of pictures. And kind of, and some of their bigger props, I, I, I went out, you know, in the evenings, I, I went and kind of crawled around on them just to kind of see how they did things. And, um, and, and look, and I'm not, you know, downplaying Teaks. It was amazing. Like it was, you yeah. know, it was still even, you know, they had it, they had it minimal for a reason, you know, and cause that's all you needed. And they didn't, yeah. they didn't you know, but, um, so I, I came back and I told, I told my chief, I was like, look, I want to build confined space structure collapse area like I'll, that's where i want to start so then we're like all right well how are we going to do that so um you know we're, basically we're gonna we're gonna build build some props here and you know so just you know for the conversation you know we we have like i told you we have a pretty decent sized budget so when we need things like equipment and things like that you know, as long as it's not something outrageous, we we can pretty much get it. You know, talking about machinery and things and materials. Yeah. But um, but we tried to do it on a shoestring budget, just because at the time, uh, the department was not dumping a lot of money into training because there wasn't a whole lot there. And yeah. you know, and and they weren't. It's not that they didn't believe in us or anything like that. It was just it just wasn't high on their priority list. Yeah, so, it's almost like a trial period, a proof of yeah. concept. Yeah, so you know, my my chief, he you know, he's in his he's in his he just completed his first year as chief of training. They're still trying to you know figure him out, and you know they knew what he was as a training officer, but now he's in charge, and he's got this yeah. new vision. Where the old chief of training, you know, he was just kind of biding his time, a little, you know, a little bit. I think he tried to do some things, but got a lot of pushback. You know, uh, he was a great guy. I, you know, I'm still friends with him uh, as well. But he uh, and I, I conversate with him regularly. He he's works with the State Fire Academy now. But um, you know, so we, 
you know, so no matter what, if, you know, if you got the money or if you don't, you, you know, you can get things built. You got to be creative with things. Um, and so what we did was we went out and just drove around and we went by businesses, industry and found, you know, hey, you know, what's sitting around in a field? You know, what, what's got grass growing all around it? You know, is that something yeah. we can use? So, and, and in a little bit, we'll get into the pictures here. Um, but, um, you know, we, we acquired a bunch of material at no cost or at very minimal cost. So, you know, it's, um, and it was, and look, and all it took was going to talk to somebody, you know, if what's the worst they can do? They tell you no. Right. Yeah. So, right. you know, and, and so, and, but we, another thing we also ran into was we'd go out and we'd find this, all these materials, you know, concrete uh, culverts and blocks and, and tanks and, and all this stuff that were like, Hey, we could, you know, take this stuff and, and build it into something. But they'd also be like, well, here, won't you take all this over here? And it's like, well, I really don't need all that. But my, 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 my chief, he would always say, you don't, you know, kick a, a gift horse in the mouth. So yeah. he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll take whatever you want. And he's like, we'll just get yeah. rid of what we don't use, you know, and because yeah. we're doing, you know, they're doing us a favor by giving it, giving it to us. And we're doing them a favor by taking it off their hands. So if we'll yeah. take, we'll take all of it. And um, so, um, so then, you know, we acquired the materials. Well, then it's like, all right, I got all this stuff. What can I do with it? And that's where that collaboration comes in. Finding out, hey, you know, so and so's a as an electrician, so and so's a welder, so and so's a plumber, you know, so and so, you know, frames houses, you know, and it's like, hey, we'll get them over here, and and let's look at this stuff, and and let's get some ideas going, and yeah. um, so, uh, but that's uh, where I would be. I I don't have any, you know, I I I would love at some point, I think, to to be in the training division and to to spend some time there. I feel like the most intimidating thing would be like me being worried about like, Oh, like who regulates? Like, is there some like law that says like, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or like who that, I feel like that would be my biggest intimidating factor. <laughs> so, and that, that was a conversation we had on a daily basis. It was, Hey, you know, can we even legally do this? It's like, is this, does it have to be, you know, stay NFPA stamped, you know, yeah, like who, now, who blesses off on this? Right. right. And so that there was a lot of learning on that. Um, I will say, you know, at the end of our projects, you know, especially if we built them out of, you know, brick and mortar type, you know, stuff that we kind of threw together ourselves. Uh, we would basically reach out. We found would find uh, structural engineers to come out and and look at everything. And now we'd have to pay them. But come look. They'd look at the at our, our prop and then they would uh, basically write up a letter and stamp it saying that it was, uh, you know, sound, uh, a sa sound, uh, you know, wasn't going to fall over and kill anybody type thing. But we also once we built things, you know, uh, handrails and anywhere we could be safe, we could. Um, I will say uh, my department were very, uh, you know, liability conscious as far as. Hey, you know, is, can this come back on us? Um, yeah. Especially because, um, and one of the visions that my chief had was taking our small little academy and turning it into a regional training facility for the area. And, you know, so 
our goal is to bring you know was to bring in other other agencies from around the area and let them train on our props so they need to be as safe as possible you know yeah. so um it's one thing to kind of let our guys get out there and you know kind of go willy-nilly on things but you know when you're dealing with you know federal agencies and and state ta- you know task forces and things like that and they're out there you know doing some serious training and and you don't have the safety precautions up uh it definitely gets you in a trick bag but yeah. uh that was the big thing um we did learn a lot though that uh you know a lot of departments build things you know mainly out of conex box that's kind of the the big thing was out of conex boxes yeah i feel um, like you see that everywhere now yeah so and um we actually went to um i don't know if y'all have ever heard of the fire training network out of yeah. uh, indian yep. so we actually uh went there and took their conex box building class it's a three-day class and they basically teach you how to build props burn props out of these connex boxes and um and cool. don't be, i don't have to, you don't have to burn them either you can just use them for you know as a structure you know for right. search and rescue whatever you know but um <clears throat> we uh that was definitely a, a good class as well but uh like i said at the end of the day if you do everything possible just trying to you know make sure that you cover yourself then then you'll be good so uh to kind of get started with 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 everything here um so i, I know some people listening can't see but, uh, but basically we 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 like I said we're riding around and we found a, a ta- old diesel tank sitting in a field and so we went up and they were cutting them up uh, at the time they we there was a uh, there was a guy with a torch literally cutting as we pulled up and they had you know four or five of these tanks sitting in a field and uh, it was the company we bought all of our diesel from and um so we uh went out there and and i'm saying hey man look know some of these tanks are out there um you know would you be interested in in you know getting rid of them and basically they're like well we can't give you the tank and we're like they said because we we could get money for scrapping it and we're like all right well how much would you get from scrapping that that tank because you know if we bought it from you, now you're not paying that guy to, to cut it up either. You know, I'm sure he's got a cost. And yeah. uh, so we ended up working out a deal, 800 bucks for that tank oh, wow. uh, in the picture there. It's a, it's a 40 foot long uh, by 20 foot round tank. Uh, it was an old diesel tank. It, it was normal. It was uh, on it. It was horizontal. Like it, it had a, a set of uh, skids on it that kept it from rolling around um so but the, someone had already cut them off and but uh so they they said 800 bucks so we asked you know went and asked for 800 dollars. they said yeah no problem and um we we already had and that was well, one of the, and to kind of backtrack we had two tanks uh probably 10 foot by 40 foot round uh on our facility that someone p- installed 20 years ago they they put them horizontally and built some decking on top and they were kind of trying to use them for combined space, but no one had touched them in years. They were rusty yeah. and just, you know, just sitting in, literally in the, in a, in a field, uh, and on our facility. So we got, um, uh, we got this tank and then I had to hire a crane to go pick it up and they put it on a, a little, uh, flatbed trailer cause it was heavy, but it wasn't that heavy. So, uh, yeah. just to pick up. I was going to ask cord. if that, 800 included shipping and handling 
No. So <laughs> we uh, now. So now keep in mind, um, I had so I had to rent this crane. Once again, plan ahead. We had other projects that we were working on at the same time, which we'll see some pictures of here in a little bit. So I, pl it was you know strategically planned of picking up this tank on that trailer in the in the in the field that it was in, then drive that crane driving to our facility to offload the tank and then to stand the tank upright. So we wanted a vertical uh, tank that we could use, um, and we we were going to basically uh, we had it saddles uh saddlebags uh welded underneath it to bolt it to a uh concrete uh form that was on in the ground that from a prior prop that uh was torn down and to you know we had to secure it with with saddlebags basically welded on the bottom of it and bolted it to this concrete uh pat or it was like a cross basically yeah. built, uh, built there above the ground so we had had them stand it up and then the welders on, and I had to coordinate the welder, the welder to be there. I had to pay him, pay a crane, um, and then to maximize my my crane time, my my crane, you know, because it's costing me per day basically. Yeah. And, and um, we had a, and, and outside these pictures that you see here, so one, you know, this middle picture is, is loading the tank, uh, offloading the tank with the crane, and then the uh third picture is us we welded tabs on one end so we could stand it up vertically using and then pick it up with the crane to set it on the concrete pad there so um and then uh i think going to the next slide here so austin is there when you're using tanks like that right for confined is there like do those come and this might be a stupid question like do you have to clean them do they come clean like how how do you ensure that it's safe i was i was you? saying the same yes. thing about like like so you can get them professionally cleaned um, and they'll get they'll come with a certificate of, of professionally cleaned. That's especially if you're, you know, depending on if there was a very hazardous product that they were using uh, in that tank, you know, uh, that's very, you know, uh, hazardous to health. So you definitely want to get it certified clean. Now, that tank had diesel in it. <clears throat> and once again, kind of going back to us just kind of still figuring things out um it was uh we couldn't see inside of it so there was no access really to get inside that tank um because they didn't use it they didn't clean it or nothing it was just it was meant for diesel uh yep. and um so um uh, we eventually once we stood it up and got it set in place we we actually cut a safety door into it so that if something was you know we 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 cut the safety door in case something happened inside. That's our safety. Get get in, get them out quickly. Whatever the emergency is, if someone truly was having an emergency in there, um, and then I also had the welder. Uh, we ordered two basically two hatches. I put a hatch at the very top of the tank and one at the at the lower uh, the, the other end towards the ground so that we can get in and out. And then the safety door was on the opposite side of the bottom hatch, <clears throat> so that we could get in like I said quickly but what it also did it allowed us to get inside the tank and really inspect the condition of the of the tank inside and it was really really rusted inside um there was like a just a coating in there and you would just kind of hit the wall and it would just fall off so you know uh all the way up you know just start coming down um so eventually what we ended up doing 
uh, was getting there and just kind of banging on the walls, get it all to come down. And then we just scooped it all out and it smelled like diesel for, for a good while. And, but we were, now we had it open and, and aired it out and yeah. eventually the smell went away and brought um, it off gas. Yeah. And, and so now it's, it, you know, you go in there, you can smell it a little bit, but, but barely. And, um, so we, um, you know, like I said, that's, make sure you're planning all this stuff. You know, when, the, when I had the welder there, I said, I need you to weld these sa- these saddlebags at the bottom. I need you to put these hatches on. I need you to cut me a door. You know, that was all pre-planned before we even went and picked the tank up. You know, we didn't, We like I said, we're trying to think of everything before, uh, you know, we just started calling people and, and you know, trying to get things done. <clears throat> yeah. No. Maximizing, you know, obviously, yeah. like you said, it, operating with a limited budget and making sure that you're being a good steward of of the money. Right. And not only that, but you know, if, if I had to get that welder out there three or four different times, you know, one, he, his schedule might be booked up for months. So, you know, I had him, I had him that day and I was like, look, this is what I need done. You know, can we get it all done today? And of course, you know, he's basically they, uh, they, and we negotiated a flat rate for the job. You know, that's another thing. Don't ever, you know, get into negotiate. If you do have to pay someone, you, you tell them by the job. Don't, you know, if you start doing by the hour, you know, you know, a lot of people take advantage, you know, I'm sure y'all see it, especially when you spec things out, you know, I use, you know, uh, if there's any building maintenance or anything that, you know, that y'all, you know, y'all might deal with, it's always three times the cost you know, uh, versus like, Hey, I got a guy that will come do this for a hundred bucks. Well, this, this guy over here, well, we got to get three bids when the lowest bid was 800 bucks. It's like, yeah, but I got a guy for a hundred. Well, he's not in, you know, he's not a registered vendor or whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, so people, right. you know, I get aggravated about that kind of stuff. So I definitely uh, try to be a good one thing. I never understood as far as like Bill and like, I understand with like city contracts, like I never understood like why, this is obviously like a, you know, we could talk for hours, but like why cities go with like the low bid, like, and cause you know what product you're going to get, like, why can't we just go right. with like the middle bid? It's like, yeah, hey, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. But so. um, yeah. And then, you know, so back to the crane. Um, so in these slides here, um, these are some of the concrete blocks that we acquired from a concrete plant. Um, basically, uh, your concrete plants still have uh, basically leftover concrete, you know, that they didn't, you know, get all out of the truck. And if they run back to the yard with that concrete, they typically have a form sitting there for them to dump extra excess concrete uh, instead of, you know, washing it out on a job site. I mean, and if it's a good bit, it's just too much for a washout. Uh, they'll yeah. go back, they'll dump it. And so if you look at these pictures, you'll see these blocks there. Um, they're four foot by three foot um, rectangle rectangular blocks, and um, and and some of them even have like a, a rock uh, design in them to, to the, the foot. Yeah, it gives some texture and stuff. So, um, so what we did was, like I said, driving by and saw in the concrete, you know, yard in the back of the yard with a bunch of grass growing up, a bunch of these blocks just stacked, you know, twelve foot high. And just a, just a huge amount of block. And so went and knocked on the door, said, hey, uh, what y'all doing with those blocks? And they said, nothing. You want them? They said, we usually sell them, but 
they've been you know no one's buying them so we just need them gone because we you know, we would love to have the, the this field back to put other things and um now they gave them to us and they load and so they loaded them up for us on site with their loader so we had to hire an 18 wheeler to uh move these and so we they would load them so I, but i had to have some something to offload them so we rented a uh uh excavator track hoe and uh i bought a big chain and just hooked them uh with the bucket and so I, I also I grew up around machinery, so I you know I'm, I'm capable of running heavy machinery, and and I, I won't say I'm a professional at it, but uh, you know I can get Better the job done. Yeah, and uh, so we you know we offloaded these blocks and, um, and and you know got them onto our site, um, and then some of the the culverts that you see in these pictures here, because um, it's like I said these this is us getting started. We finally settled on a design. I wanted a uh, basically a, 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 a squared building or structure with multiple entry points. This was something I got from Teeks um, mm. from their rubble piles. And so uh, a lot of the culverts and things were donated from a local uh, construction company that does road work and things, drainage. So they had a whole field full of uh, culverts that were left over from jobs or, you know, had chips or breaks in them that just wasn't up to code for their job sites, you know, but so they got, of all otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. and you can see actually in this third picture, if you look in the very back, you can see, I have all of those pipes, uh, stacked back there. And, um, so those were, and then once again, the company loaded all those pipes for us, but we had to tra get them transported. So there was a cost associated with that. And then I had to rent a machine, so I ended up uh, renting a uh, a uh, telescoping uh, forklift, big material handler, and for big four-wheel drive, you know, forklift basically. And I just picked them up and, and moved them around with that as well. So, did you so find, these pictures are. Go ahead. Uh, did you find that you know obviously being uh, using your ingenuity and you know, leveraging, leveraging industry and these local partners, did you find that, um, everyone was pretty receptive to helping when you approached them or? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. and even if they, you know, there was a couple of places where like, Hey, you know, uh, there, I think there was an old tractor trailer. We we're like, Oh, that'd be, that'd be a great hazmat prop. It was an old like fuel, fuel tanker. And, uh, the guy was like, look, man, he goes, I'd love to give it to y'all. He's like, I can't. It's not mine. It's, you know, yeah. he told us who it belonged to. And he's like, he said, I'd have, you know, I got to get permission from them. And uh, he said, chances are they, they, they won't get rid of it. You know, he, or he told us straight up, you know, and they, they he, he asked and they didn't. Um, so there was a couple of times where people were like, man, you know, I'd love to, but I just can't. But I can't so, yeah. yeah. But, um, so, like I said, these pictures here, this is this is our designs that we kind of we sketched up and um, and started started putting everything in place. Um, so another another example of you know taking advantage of a situation um, on the base, the uh, they were ripping up the concrete road, and so we're putting the structure together, and we're like, well, we need rubble. Well, they're they're ripping up this six to eight inch thick concrete roadway and they were and 
And when they were doing it, I ran up, you know, ran up there and said, Hey, what are y'all doing with this road? We're, you know, they're like, Oh, we're hauling it off to a, a crusher, which companies can make, you know, money off of crushed concrete and things like that. So sometimes it's hard to get concrete from a, from somewhere that they, they can make money off of it. But this particular company, they were like, they told, they basically said, Hey, you know, I said, Oh, I'm interested. If you want to just dump it right down the road instead of hauling it to wherever you got to, you know, you can make a lot more shorter trips here and just dump it. And so they agreed. And so we got a huge uh, pile of just busted up roadway concrete. Um, now I had to go rent an, uh, another excavator with a jack jackhammer attachment on it. And it took me about three or four days of just jackhammering, you know, with the machine, luckily I didn't do it by hand, but <laughs> we, and that's how we created our rubble pile. If you, in, in some of these pictures that you see any of the rubble, that was that roadway. And we got that for free, you know, and, and uh, now, like I said, we had to bust it up. So yeah, in this picture here, um, and that one, that's, so that's the completed one, um, in that picture there. So we had to put all our pipes in place to make, you know, the different access points inside the structure and then covered it with rubble. And like I said, a lot of this stuff come from Teaks, you know, just seeing the stuff there. And then, um, and back to the, using the crane, you know, making sure that I, I maximize my crane, we had ordered a concrete top for that, for that structure because that we just didn't have anything. So, yeah. uh, went to a pre-stress in the area, a pre-stress concrete company in the area that, that built culverts and different things and, and told them what I needed. I needed a, you know, basically a slab with a manhole and some attachment points, which you can see in this other picture. With the tripod there, you can see near the feet, I got uh, anchor attachments, you know, and that's just taking, you know, what I knew from my, you know, taking my classes, my technical rescue classes and things, some of the difficulties, you know, that you, you know, I was like, hey, you know, anchoring down a tripod is is kind of troublesome. And if we can go ahead and put anchors in the concrete, you know, it'll, it'll definitely, you know, especially for the beginner stuff, you know, that that will definitely help us out. So I put tons of anchor points in there, put that man way on that top there. You can see in that middle picture there, uh, got the truck, got the tripod up. They're lowing down into that man way that the structure ended up being about nine feet, uh, tall. So you couldn't just jump down in there. And, uh, then you can see the handrail and back to safety. We put those handrails up. I had a welder come in and, and, and we did aluminum just so that it wouldn't rust. Uh, yeah. it, it was at the time aluminum was about the same price as, as steel and, but well, I say steel to get it, but to get steel and have it uh, dipped in zinc to keep it from rusting. So, Interesting. you know, yeah. So if you ever, you know, if you're ever building these type of structures, definitely talk to, you know, people, you know, welders and different things like that. Um, you know, like I said, I have that background ready. So I knew that if I just put up steel handrails, you know, they're going to rust over the years. We could have them dipped in zinc. And so I got a price on dipped, you know, hand handrails versus, and then my, my guy told me, he's like, well, you know, right now steel's so expensive, you know, and then the cost of dipping, he said, you might can just get aluminum and it'd be a lot, you know, for the same price and it'll, it'll look nicer. So I think that's windows. that's one of the things too is like using, like you said, using your resources. Like you have you have a background in doing this stuff, but also like what you said is going to these other classes and taking notes of things like that went really well, but also things that don't go so well. 
So when you yeah. start building out your own kits, you can kind of apply those apply those principles. Yeah, and and so one of the downs downsides of, of becoming a, a training officer. That's all, you know, my focus when I would go to class, I mean, I was hearing the information, but, you know, I'm looking at the props. I'm looking at the style of teaching. I'm looking at, you know, all the other, what did it take to build this class? You know, I'm th- those are the things I'm thinking about as a training officer, yeah. you know, and, and uh, whereas other guys are probably just focused on the material. I'm, I'm sitting here just watching the instructor, watching his style, you know, so, but, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so, so anyways... As you progress, right, I'm sure you, you learn, you know, obviously you, in your case, you're kind of learning as you go. So if, if you have some, if you had some advice for someone that was just starting out, like what are the, what are some of the things that you had learned along the way that like maybe were some of the pitfalls that they could avoid to kind of maxim, you know, maximize your effectiveness? You don't have a lot. Like what are the, some of the things you learned along the way that were like, hey, maybe, maybe this would have been a better approach? Um, really? So getting really under, understanding like the the full scope of what you're trying to do as far as okay so what you know this is our vision this is what we we want to our ultimate goal is to build all this and i know that's hard to say like hey you, you know you need to have an ultimate vision but if you can that man that that would be great because kind of piecemealing it as you go like so we start off with the 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 well the one concrete structure with the with those big blocks and we built it we had the pipes coming out we did the rubble and then it was like oh well we need we need to add on this part and we need to do you know then it was like well i really don't have the resources to tear apart half this prop you know to to change it into you know something else that that you know we'd like to do and um so you know that and then also the money thing so i will say you know you know trying to do this as cheap as possible because at the time we did have a lot of limited funds i was fortunate when we first built the 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 structure the 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 rectangle the square structure with the blocks and everything uh my chief came out my, my big chief you know fire the fire chief came out saw what we were doing and it like energized him you know because things like that hadn't been built out there in years it energized him he man, he was so excited and he just he told me he said he said i love it keep it up keep going he goes you know whatever you need you have my support well and that's what we needed we needed his full support because you know he you know ultimately he's the he's the key to the money so yeah um and and so when we got started um you know some of the things that made me nervous was i i pretty much built all this stuff you know and with help and everything but we we designed this stuff with uh without really consulting engineer and yeah. it was you know what i'm saying it was kind of shooting from the hip uh or my well, my chief loves to say winging it you know he's like oh, that's all you do is wing it and I'm, and I kind of do. I, it's kind of how I live. I'm like, yeah, you'll figure it out. You know, you guys did a, I, did I, a pretty I, damn good job for winging it. Yeah. And and they look, it, it works out great for me sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. If you know, I get egg on my face sometimes. But yeah. um, you know, for the most part, that's that's how I live my life. I just wing it, man. It's gonna be, you yeah. know, we'll figure it out. And uh, so we we definitely winged it yeah. on this, and we yeah. we hit a home run. 
with and, and got admin and that's the big thing so that's that's kind of one of the talking points is you know take a little you know if you don't have a whole lot try to try to do a lot with with a, with a little bit and then as as you build it and progress you'll start to gain that support so you know and and some of the other things that you know as you're building out these you're you know you're, you have all the this vision to build you know these training props or these these different programs and things you know really try to think outside the box and for us thinking outside the box was hey let's go to industry okay so we have some oil refineries close by reach out to them um hey what is some you know call them up hey what is some training that y'all would like to do that um you know that you're currently doing at other facilities that you're paying a lot of money you know would you be interested in possibly investing you know money into our training academy and we will you know build the prop of whatever it is that you want to train on so so part of the 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 tank the big tank that we've got out of the field and the reason we stood up vertically was because we had reached out to industry and they said well if you could build kind of mimic a scrubber uh they call it a, i'm not even sure what it is but it's some type of scrubber stack where they would have to go in and it was kind of it was very difficult for them but they would have to uh rappel down into this this stack and they have to get in there to clean it and then keep you know company on standby to, to go in there for the confined space portion and so that was kind of the 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 idea in mind was hey we're gonna we're gonna build this and and then they will come type thing the field of dreams you know so, <laughs> yeah. and and that's you know what it turned into so if you you know you can see in these pictures here that i put confined space so if you notice that first picture those two horizontal tanks with it which are connected by a catwalk um, those were our original tanks that were there just sitting there being uh, underutilized. They were just literally rusting away. And um, uh, Drew actually painted those things. But, you know, that was that was a huge undertaking, you know, coding, getting rust inhibitor and painting those. That's why they look yeah. so nice. But, you know, my vision was that catwalk. And you see in the, in the middle picture there, there's a catwalk connecting the top, the top of the two because – to me, I was like, that is that is a real industry type of situation yeah. where you, you have two tanks with a catwalk connecting them. And then we had, you know, my vision was a catwalk connecting over to the the vertical tank as well. So all three tanks were connected. And um, and basically I hired a welder that built that, you know, that type of catwalk uh, structures for the oil industry. Called him in and said, I want, this is what I need. And he uh, he drew it up and, and, you know, and I was fortunate, you know, that I, I was able to, to to rely on him to come up with the schematics of that. And he did it like on a napkin, you know, and, uh, yeah. and all in his head. So now I will tell you that was probably our the biggest um, monetary uh, part of that whole project was installing the catwalks and the and all the handrails. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it that expensive. was it. It was all custom built, um, you know. But by that time, so like I said, we didn't have a whole lot to start with. By the time we got to that point in the project, our chief was so excited about the the potential of this of these props. He and I'll go ahead and tell you, it was seventy thousand dollars. 
in aluminum work uh, to do all that. And he gave the, he gave his blessing. You know, like I said, we're fortunate that we have you know a, a good bit of money for set aside for for uh, capital projects. And you know, he gave us his blessing. So once we finish that, um, and and the next slides here, uh, I acquired some more block um, that were that was sitting in a field. This actually, these blocks belong to the military. They had them for years in the back of the base that we were that were that we're currently on. And um, I was able to go and, and persuade them into uh, donating the block to us. So technically, yeah. that is still that is still their block that belongs yeah. to the military that we are using utilizing. And in this technically acquiring, yes, no, technically you, acquiring. No, for it back in 2042. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. You, but uh, so one of the, the the huge struggles for our area is the the water tables uh, is very high. So if you dig down deep enough, you just all of a sudden it just starts filling up with water. So you know, doing a trench class. Uh, was is a you know big deal for us because if we dig a hole we come back the next day it's completely full of water so yeah. building an above ground trench was something that I took away from Mississippi State Fire Academy they had basically built a concrete formed uh, T trench and then took dirt and piled all around the outside of it and built this this big massive trench prop and I was like well how can I do that without having to bring all that dirt in because that was a ton of money forming all that concrete because that's a ton of money so yeah. acquired these blocks and you can see in these pictures and uh kind of remind me of like building the pyramids is what it felt like <laughs> you can see in the middle picture i wanted it wide enough that i could get that little bobcat uh or uh, skid steer in there so that i could um uh, move dirt around if i needed to you know we could yeah. put simulate but it's it's an above ground trench and um and to kind of give the guys somewhere to stand and work off of, we in the third picture there, you can see the the connex boxes. So we built this T trench, um, it's about nine foot high, and then put the connex boxes in the side there for some you know work, give them somewhere to work off of. And the idea was now we have storage for all the fin boards and and all the struts and all the equipment that goes with trench and. Um, you know, I can, I can keep it all, you know, safe in those boxes as well. So, um, it, uh, so we're, no, we kind of hit up. We, go ahead. It's one of those things that I don't even like, and Will, I don't know about you, like things you don't even think of, of like some of the environmental training limitations of, of where you are in the country or like, or some places in the Northeast in the Metro Boston area, the water table is pretty high too, but like that you might not be able to conduct these types of trainings just due to the environment that you're in. So, trying to be innovative and doing literally building an above grade trench. Uh, I've never even heard about, I mean, it makes, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, up here you, you could run into like frozen ground in the winter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like different, every, every, like you said, everywhere's got their kind of unique challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, especially, you know, taking classes out West, um, we, you know, been, been all over the country taking classes and, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's really neat to see how people uh, adapt and overcome some of the environmental issues when it comes to training uh, that they have to deal with. You know, especially in the the mountainous areas where they got that extremely hard soil, you know, with the rocks and everything. You know how how they adapt and overcome that. And so, um, so for us, like I said, being in a very low lying area, um, 
actually our you know our 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 area to me i've you know i've been up the 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 east coast you know i've made all the way to boston yet but you know from virginia all the way up through jersey to new york you know along the shore like it it reminds me of here you know it's it's pretty much the same you know uh, as far as the marsh marshy landscape and so but um you know, so that's that's on the as far as props go, um, you know, that that's kind of the big thing is just try to take advantage of of opportunities. You know, don't be scared to get out there uh, and and ask. You know, and go you know go travel around a little bit, go see you know what's going on. And you know, if you can't travel, you know, um, I've I've I'll tell you one place I've looked a lot at is uh, Illinois State. Uh, fire academy their uh their their grounds are amazing um I, now really? the only way i could see it was from google earth so i spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to zoom in and see you yeah. know what how exactly did they get you know that prop because they have they have some big rubble piles out there in illinois on their grounds and so um i hope to get out there one day uh they were you know they they do a booth every year at fdic i talk to them every year that i'm there i I I stop and talk to them and tell them how i want to come for a visit and steal their ideas and they laugh and they tell us come on come on down yep but i um, think that's uh i think that uh Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> no worries. We'll tell you. I completely Chief, lost my train of thought on that. Let's see if um, I remember when I first started to uh, train academy. And we, you know, like I said, we were trying to get ideas. We asked. We went to him and said, "Do you mind if we did like a three or four day, five day road trip around the South? You know, to go to Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and go to different training facilities." And he was good with it. Uh, we never we never did take him up on it uh, just because we were so busy. It was hard to get away just you know to go ride around and look at stuff. Right. But uh, but when I'm at, well, like I said when I do travel I you know I'm always keeping an eye out and uh, on th- you know trying to just get ideas. You know you'll pass by something that someone built that wasn't even meant for the fire service, and you'll see it and you'll be like oh well we could oh I could do that and we could use it for this 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 and this and so, and, you know, always I, keeping your, say, your eyes open. What I was going to say is, like, you were talking about reaching out to people, too. So, like, what we found through doing this is, like, reaching out to people is people want to talk about the fire service. And they are almost always more than happy to help when we've reached out. And I'm sure it's the same thing in this scenario. Just reach out and talk to people about whether it's materials or it's, like, how they're doing it or what they're doing, like, like just reaching out and, and getting getting advice from people and i'm sure that they're happy to share it absolutely and um and myself included i love when people you know ask me how how'd you do that i i will gladly tell you you know there's right. no reason to keep everything a secret you know and no um, and that's why that's why i thought it was so important um and why you were the person that i thought of is like being able to be um have some ingenuity, think outside the box and develop, you know, not something from nothing, but find creative ways to, to develop, to build, you know, what you guys built is a pretty phenomenal regional trip, you know, and it's now a national resource with, with CMC there. Um, so just being, and, and it's heartening because you, you know, when you're talking about, Hey, just be creative, don't be afraid to reach out to people. 
Um, yeah. And like, like Will was saying, like a lot of times we find with the show and like, you know, even like, you know, we kept, we kept in touch, but, but like um, always like people will always be willing to help. But even like reaching out to you is like, Oh, I don't want to bother. I don't want to waste his time. And then like, but you find out like people are always more than willing to share and like guys that guys and gals that care about the fire service always willing to, willing to share and pass on information. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of going back to, you know, when I go to FDIC, you know, kind of you, you get you have an opportunity to sit in classes and meet, you know, some of the the pillars of the fire service. And after after their lectures are over, you're kind of like, well, I don't want to bother them. Yeah. And but you really want to meet them. And 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 so I'll say like example this year, Mike Champo, uh, you know, always watch his videos of fire engineering. You know, it's always kind of been a big fan of him, like his stuff, sat through his lecture, enjoyed his lecture. And of course, after there was a big crowd wanting to talk to him, take pictures. And I was like, you know what? I'm about I'm about to be a fanboy for a minute. I'm about to yeah. stand in line and wait my turn and, and have to take my I gave him a challenge coin and took a picture with talk and talked to him for and he took time though. He took time yeah. and talked to me for a second and, and we had a good little conversation and um you know and, and so and then he get you know gave me his card. He said if if you ever need anything, you call me. And I'm thinking I'm like, You're Mike Champa, you know, you don't have time to and he was like, No, no, he said and he said, if I don't respond to this, this, this email, he's like, send it to this email. And he's like, I'll definitely, you know, I'll get back to you, whatever you need. And I was like, man, that that's just, that's so cool. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, so, uh, definitely reach out to people. Um, uh, that's what I found, uh, as a training officer and well, just in the fire service in general networking, you know, I'm sitting here today because of networking, you know, yeah. uh, Took a class Likewise. With, with Barry, you know, and and struck up a friendship, you know, and and you know, so when you go to classes and you and you get to, you know, anytime there's someone outside your department, take the opportunity, talk to them, see what they know, who they know, you know, yeah. what are they capable of, and yep. you know, you can accomplish so much. Like I, I told you early on, as soon as we started, you know, th this was never just me, um, you know, um. It, it's it's a it's a group effort and um actually in some of my pictures that was one of the things i was going to tell you in, in, in the previous slides was once we acquired all these materials and all this we uh then it was like well i didn't have any uh concrete breakers or anything to and so i needed the tops of those blocks they had these little uh little uh, pitches to them at the, at the center to keep them interlocked. Well, I needed them taken off for, um, for this concrete slab to sit on the top. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? You know, I'm just one person. You know, there's only two training officers, my chief of training. He ain't got time for this. The other, my other training officer, you know, he had a lot going on. I'm like, so it's up to me to get the, all this concrete busted off. And I was like, well, how can I, how can I do this? And then I literally, I was driving to, I was passing Home Depot and I saw a Hilti uh, pickup truck. And I was like, all right, I've, I've seen it before. I just never run through my yeah. mind, but I saw it sitting there and I was like, and, and I used Hilti tools at, te in, at Teaks for breaching and breaking. And I'm like, oh, that's a rep. Let me, 
I, I bet you they, they can help me out. So I stopped, found the rep inside the store at Home Depot, uh, told them what I, you know, what I was needing. I said, I want y'all to come do a demo. And, um, <laughs> so they said, absolutely. So Hilti showed up in one of those pictures you can see, they showed up with three trucks, uh, full of brand new Hilti tools and bits. And, um, where'd it go? Let's see. So that's, that's them lined up. I, so, and like I said, I, I was so proud of myself that I, I was like, oh yeah, I, I got, I trick I got them. <laughs> so the next picture. <laughs> Guess what those guys are doing right there. So not only did I, I call Hilti for a demo, so they got to come out and demo their product. Then I turned it into a, a company drill. So now I got my guys coming out, cycling through the day, and they're getting to run these tools and actually breach and break concrete. And I was like, but this is, guys, this is what I need you to break. And you can see the, the line in the <laughs> this center. This area right here. Yeah, I was like, so y'all just just focus on these. This I need all the all these lips broken off right here, and they and and they love doing it because they only had to do it for you know ten fifteen minutes, and then it was on to the next guy, and everybody yeah. was excited to put their hands on the tools and and get to actually you know bust up some concrete, and guess who didn't have to do it? <laughs> I didn't have to break my back, and it it was a it was just and you know that was with one of the. Uh, aha moments. I was like, Oh man, this, you know, so from then on, if, if, um, you know, if we can get a vendor to come out and do demos, you know, and, and help achieve any goals that we're trying to do, then, then take advantage of it. So, but, uh, so as far as like, so obviously we, we did, we, we did a deep dive into, into creating, a training facility essentially from, from day one to now you guys have a robust facility, which we'll obviously get into talking about CMC. But so once you have the facility, right, how do you, and this is something that Will and John and myself are hoping to do is develop some organic training programs. What advice or, or, or thoughts do you have on like, how do you go about once you have the space, you have the facility, what, what tips and tricks or, you know, things you learned along the way, to develop an, a training program once you got you got everything you need and you're good to go what how do you how do you do so, the program? so uh, and so basically in a nutshell you you have to choose what you're passionate about right so um i love technical rescue and so at the time like i said it was just me and one of the training officer and uh and then uh tim harrison came on board who you met very uh he yep. came on board as a third training officer, because once we started building all this, then we said, hey, there's a need for another training officer. So we got more staff, you know, so we're, we're expanding our, our training academy just off of building these these props. And we, and we hadn't even used them yet, really. You know, we've used them in-house internally, you know, on some things, but we really hadn't brought anybody from the outside in to, to use our props yet. But we were already showing that we needed more staffing, and we we got it. And so, uh, so then when Tim came along, um, you know, we had a lot of things built in place, and Tim Tim was helping with a lot of that, you know, helping me, uh, you know, with the construction stuff. And then, um, well, I'd always been passionate about technical rescue, um, and so. Um, I went to my chief and I said, look, we, you know, we built the confined space. We got the tower. We ended up buying a, uh, affordable drill tower 
we saw it at FDIC. They had it one set up. Uh, I highly recommend it if anybody's ever looking for a, an affordable drill tower. It's called affordable drill towers. <laughs> I was going to say that's the name, isn't it? I've seen those on social media a bunch. Yeah, and 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 look, after it was built, I was kind of like, uh, that's that's it. But you know, that I mean, it's it, it's functional. It works. I'm like, but you know, with a little bit of time, I could have probably done that. But you know what? They, uh, they did a great job. They came in, they set everything up, and, and they had it knocked out in in a, in a day and a half. We had a, a brand new tower next to our existing tower. And so, you know, now we have another training officer. We've got, you know, because we built the other stuff, they, that, that, the tower that we bought was, was a $90,000 tower. Um, and we put it where, it, where it's located because of the rope, pro, our, our vision for our rope program, we wanted to be able to do high lines from tower to tower. So we ended up, moving uh, our CPAC course and putting our tower there. So we had to pour more concrete for our CPAC. So it was a, it was a big undertaking, but by this time, like I said, after build, building all that up, they admin started trusting our vision, you know, uh, my chief's vision and, and really allowing us to, you know, make it our own. And um, so um, so, you know, we choose, we chose, you know, I chose, uh, technical rescue and I wanted to, but in order to, to teach all that one, it'd been a minute since I'd taken a class. Uh, and two, you need to be a subject matter expert in whatever it is you're teaching, right? Because, you know, there's nothing worse than, than getting up in front of, you know, your peers and you get asked a question and you don't know the answer, right? Um, you just lose all credibility. And so, um, so basically we said, all right, well, we're going to reach out to outside sources to basically retrain ourselves. So that's one, that's how we end up in Miami. So went to my, my chief and I was like, Hey, look, you know, you want us teaching technical rescue and rope and all this, we need to be the experts. And we're going to start off with CMC rope one and two. And we just happened to choose Miami. I mean, you know, so kind of a perk. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, so the only one available, right? So we uh, we ended up down in Miami, and uh, and then the other the other two guys with me and Tim, uh, Dean and, and Drew. So we kind of had a cadre of instructors that you know we're, us four were like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna be the the rope guys. We're gonna teach everybody. And so we headed down to Miami. We did CMC. <clears throat> we uh, when we got back from CMC, once again, we want to be subject matter experts. We uh, became SPRAT certified, industrial uh, rope access certified, and so that's industry rope. Um, doesn't really pertain to what we do, but you know what? It made us that much better, and we, you know, and gave us a different uh, different tools for our toolbox. You know, and, and basically learned a different flavor of 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 how to how to approach things. Um, and so, you know, we went out, found outside sources, and just really tried to immerse ourselves in in the subject area that we wanted to teach. And then, um, once we did all that, um, you know, sit down. I promise, you know, start reading books. Start, you know, just keep educate yourself you like i said you want to know this stuff inside and out 
you know, if you're building out this training program. Um, and then once you are that, that expert, um, then you start with, with, with some small uh, presentation and lectures. You kind of get your feet wet. And you kind of then you start to to build on those lectures. You become more polished with your information. Uh, it just kind of flows out. Um, you know, we've all had those instructors, right? You, you you go to a class and the guy just everything rolls off his tongue. He's got the answer to everything, and you're like, man, this is one smart dude. And chances are they are a very smart individual, but also understand this guy's probably this is probably his fiftieth time. T given this information and he's right. you know he's he's well polished and he sounds amazing you know um but um but also understand you know you're the subject matter expert in this particular field in this area you know you know i got a guy you know being the guru of, of technical rescue well if i go ask him about fire behavior he might not know a whole lot about it you know yeah. so you know just understand that but um and then once you've, you know, kind of built your program out and you've grown it, I would, you know, definitely take your time. Do not get in a hurry. Um, you know, don't don't think you're going to take on the world, you know, given all your information out in, in your lectures, you know, right out the gate because uh, you're going to stumble. But uh, and then sl slowly expand your audience. So you want to start, you know, with your department or local departments uh, and then slowly expand, you know, once you get very comfortable, you know, look at regional conferences, you know, in your area. Um, over the past few years, I've, I've kind of uh, come more knowledgeable about these regional uh, classes and conferences in, around the country um, by, you know, getting on Facebook and starting to see and like pages and, and it spills over into information you, you see on social media, you know, uh, I took a class in Virginia, uh, a, a truckie class in Smithfield, Virginia, this past March. I never even heard of it until a few months ago. One of my guys sent me a link, and he's like, "Hey, man, you want to go to this with me?" I had no idea this this, this class even existed, and uh, it was it was a great experience. But you know, so start off, you know, small and start working your way into uh, you know some of these local uh, conferences and, and 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 shows and things like that. That you can, you know, really give out your information. So, uh, yeah. but just immerse yourself. So, um, and I will tell you this, um, and you know, for me personally, um, you know, if if I'm interested in it, I put everything I got into it. If I'm not, you definitely can tell. Like it's, yeah. you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wing it. I'm gonna half-ass it. You know, I'm just, it's, you know, so. Um, and that, and being a train officer, you know, you can't really just half-ass it, you know, so, um, yeah. and, and you gotta so, care. yeah, and, you know, how, how do you get fired up about, uh, hey, this week we're doing safety officer, you know, how do, how do you get excited about that, you know, so, yeah. um, yeah. some guys do, but, uh, awesome. But definitely, so, uh, when you're building those programs out, man, you gotta pick something you love and you're passionate about. Uh, go back to Tim Harrison; he's uh, he's doing fire behavior right now, and and early on in his career, he you know he almost got killed because someone made a horrible decision 
uh, as far as ventilation and, and making an interior attack and, and not coordinating things. And he almost got burned up in a flashover. And from that day forward, he was extremely interested in fire behavior. And so he's he's built an amazing class and program out uh, dealing with fire behavior. And he's so knowledgeable with everything come, you know, with fire behavior, um, uh, you know, and then uh, our other train officer we have now. We had, so we got a, 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 a one of our trainers retired. So we had got another one, a Dean, which was in our class in Miami, Dean Marullo. He's, uh, you know, his particular topic he chose to, he's very passionate about is, is uh, pumping. And so this, this guy will, will blow you out the, out the water with, with, you know, pumping a truck and how to get the maximized water and, and flow. And man, and the, these guys are so quick and knowledgeable with their information because they have submersed themselves in this, in these, the, you know, this information, this is what they're passionate about. And they're the go-to guys for that, you know, for the, for our entire department. You know, if you make a phone call to, to, to Slidell Fire and you're like, hey, we got some interest in fire behavior, they're going to say, well, you need to talk to Tim Harrison. Or, hey, we need yeah. we need a uh, advanced pump class. Well, you're going to talk to Dean Marullo, you know. So yeah. um, definitely find your niche, whatever it is, and and just and just submerge yourself. So, and, and you'll build out a good program. You know, it'll, it takes time. But, um, and then... As far as, um, you know, opportunities as a uh, training facility, uh, and I'll talk about CMC Rescue uh, for a minute. So uh, and I'll go ahead and tell the story. You know, when we're in Miami, um, you know, we're building all this. So we're building all this stuff back home. We're building all these props. We go to Miami. And so the director of CMC uh, classes, uh, Wayne Chapman, he is he's in our, you know, teaching our class. And, um, you know, he is the boss when it comes to the school, CMC schools. And, um, you know, we're sitting there at lunch one day and I said, I was like, Wayne, um, you know, no disrespect to Miami, the city of Miami, not Miami day now, Miami. I know I, I, said, I had to learn, I had to learn the difference. <laughs> yeah. I said, no disrespect to Miami. You know, they, they had a wonderful facility. I said, but I said, we can do this just as well or better, you know, at our facility. And so Wayne said, okay, well, send me some pictures. And so, um, so I did, I sent him some pictures and then he goes, he goes, all right. We said, well, look, he said, uh, it looks promising. He said, we're looking for another place, uh, you know, near a large city to, to, to have a more Southern presence, Southeastern presence. And, um, he said, we want to come to a site visit. Awesome. And so him and, um, uh, what's his name? He's from Wisconsin with CMC. Uh, he's always on our podcast. I can't remember his name at the point. I know. Um, I know who you're talking about. It'll come to me in a second. But uh, so them two came down, and within about uh, now, before I tell you what happened, I will tell you this. So I knew Wayne was coming, and me and I remember our conversations talking with Wayne. He was a uh, retired uh, uh, helicopter. Uh, uh, what was it? The uh, he was the crane operator on the helicopter or something like that. Yeah. I uh, couldn't remember uh, exactly. Yeah. In California on the FEMA team. Well, we also had struck up a partnership at our training facility with uh, the Coast Guard. And so the, so in this, these pictures here that I have, have right here. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because to help, to make sure that I secured this <laughs> deal with CMC, 
I called the Coast Guard, who we'd done training with before, and I said, hey, look. Uh, and they called, well, I, they, they had reached out to us, said, hey, we want to come do some training. We need some dates. So I called them back. I said, look, Wayne gave me his date that he'd like to come. I said, look, man, I said, can y'all, you know, can y'all do this day? And they said, yeah, th- that'll work. So, Fuck yeah. um, <laughs> so kind of behind the scenes, I'm like, I'm playing and I'm like, all right, I'm about to get in his wheelhouse and, uh, I'm about to make sure I secure this. So as we're, walk, as we're walking around the grounds and looking at all the props and everything, the coast guards there, and then the helicopter flies in and they're hovering and they're doing, you know, hoist operations right off the top of our tower. And I look at Wayne and I said, Hey, I said, uh, you want to, you want to go up there? Like we were, and so we were right there at the top of the building, right under the rotor wash, like just, you know, in the middle of it. I mean, the the helicopter was so loud. Wayne (laughs) was smiling ear to ear. Like he was just so happy because he, you know, here he is again, like, you know, right in the mix of this training and that's right up his alley. You know, that's what he loved. That's the way, because he always talked about it. Yeah. And, uh, so they got done and he come down and he just the rest of the day. He just smiled, man. He was just, he yeah. was so happy. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I got him. <laughs> and, uh, so that's the next picture there was, uh, after, <laughs> after we talked a minute, he said, all right, well, I think we're gonna, uh, we can, we can definitely go ahead and do rope one and two and we can do confined space here. And, uh, he said, I'll go ahead and get you a contract by the end of the week and we'll sign off and get it going. And so that, that picture there was us, you know, that day, you know, I'm sitting there shaking his hand. And, um, so that was, um, but you know, that was just me, you know, being a little aggressive and, and kind of, you know, going to Wayne and, you know, taking the chance, you know, taking uh, advantage of the opportunity of, of having the director of CMC schools, you know, in my presence and why not, you know, a pitch to doing worst he can do is tell me no. And so, um, so for those that are, are unaware, you know, CMC does classes. Uh, they do them up y'all's way in New Hampshire. Um, they do them out in Bend, Oregon, Colorado, um, Miami, Las Vegas, California. And that was kind of their staple, you know, locations. And they would do other, other locations, you know, as, as requested and things like that. So now Slidell is one of these, these places now, as far as Bend, Oregon and, and Concord, New Hampshire, and and Rifle, Colorado, Vegas, and all that, and Miami. You know, here, you know, little old Slide L, we're we're in that mix, we're in that conversation, and so that's something that uh, I've always I've been extremely proud of. You know, with with you know facilitating that and and getting them, you know, to come to our facility and and do this, um, and then when they come, so this is the next slide here. Um, the first time they came, you can see in the middle there's a crawfish. A live crawfish <laughs> with all their gear. That was kind of a little, uh, you know, little promo to I threw up yeah. to them. I, I emailed it to them. I said, here, you know, throw this on y'all's Facebook, on your social media. You know, put slide out Louisiana. And um, and then every, uh, we when they, they come for the rope one and two class, it's crawfish season in March. When they come down in March to do rope one and two. And we always do a crawfish bowl for the class. And awesome. um, so, uh, and then. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's always a good time because we've had people from all over the country, you know, come to our facility now. And, um, the last group I think was from, from, uh, Idaho. I think it was, there was some from Idaho 
who never, you know, tried crawfish, they were super excited. And so it's always fun to get to, to meet people and, and share, you know, especially our crawfish. We love our crawfish down here and, yeah. you know, share that, that experience with them. And well, uh, so CMC, well, man, the CMC stuff's been great. Yeah. Well, so, well, well deserved that you guys, you guys great. ended up with that. So kind of yeah, it's, it's so cl- closing, yeah. closing things out. Right. Okay. You want to talk about um, some of the, the free training opportunities that like w- when we initially talked, like I, some of them I wasn't, wasn't even aware of. So do you want to kind of round it out yeah, with a so, lot of these things that people so might know? I, I have this here. I didn't, I didn't put the websites, but uh, I can get those links to you. So if you just go, so to start off with, you know, if it, this, and I learned this at my first apartment, I told you, we, you know, we'd have a whole lot for training and I'm, I'm looking for opportunities and someone put me on to this. So it's the NDPC, the National Domestic Preparedum, uh, Preparedness Consortium. If you just Google NDPC um, and then go to the training partners, you'll have all the all the different schools. And I'll run through them real quick. You got the the Center for Domestic Preparedness in Anniston, Alabama. All you know, a bunch of hazmat stuff. Uh, there's some police training in there as well for uh, weapons of mass destruction stuff. Then you have uh, the uh, Energetic Materials Research and Testing Center. That is uh, Pueblo, uh, not Pueblo, that's uh, Socorro, New Mexico. That's the bombs, the bomb classes. You go out on the, on the range and they, they blow up cars and there's a suicide class. They, they do a suicide bomber. And uh, so there's a couple classes there that you, and, and you can take. Um, and keep in mind, these, all these classes I'm listing out, they, they're fully uh, Department of Homeland Security funded. Uh, it includes your flights, your car, your hotel. Uh, they give you mileage to the airport. They give you per diem during the day for meals. Um, so, um, yeah, it is it's 100% paid for. They'll um, uh, everything short of basically backfilling your your uh, your position at the station to to allow you to go because um, it's not you know considered a disaster or anything, but. Um, so then uh, the rest you keep going here. Uh, Texas A&M Teeks is on the list. They have a uh, incident command class. They have one class that you can take out at Teeks. So if you ever want to go to Teeks, um, they do have an incident command class there uh, in their facility. I got a really cool facility there with, for that. The the nuclear training out in Las Vegas, the National Nuclear Security Administration or CTOS. Um, that one, you go out to Vegas and then, uh, they basically ship you out to the desert where they did the uh, first atomic bombs, uh, out, you know, testing, you go out to that, that range out there and you, and you do some really cool stuff out there. Um, then, um, oh, I skipped one here. National center for bio, uh, medical research and training. That's all strictly online. That's with, uh, LSU out of Louisiana, but there's, uh, they come to you with some training so you can get on there. Um, and a lot of these uh, facilities, you know, do a lot of training that will come to you as well. So if you want to get them at your your facility, uh, they'll definitely do that. Um, the only one that you probably will not be able to attend is, uh, like I said, the L1 LSU. And then the there's one in Hawaii, the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center in Hawaii, uh, dealing with That's tsunamis and hurricanes. <laughs> right. You can go you so you can go to those classes for free. You just they will not pay your airfare and hotel and all that. But if you can uh if you fly yourself out there, you are more than welcome to attend the class. But they do a lot of stuff uh stateside, uh lower forty eight uh they do uh 
you know, around the country, they'll do, they'll go to different facilities and do that type of training. And then the uh, last one on the list here, uh, CERTC, uh, the basically it's a hazmat highway uh, and rail response for hazmat. Uh, great, great classes uh, out in Pueblo, Colorado. Great time. Um, so definitely look into those. Um, also have on here uh, the National Fire Academy. You know, a lot of guys get intimidated by the National Fire Academy. They got to think they got you know need to have a degree or, or be an officer or something. Uh, they have some span of control classes that are meant for lower level, um, uh, you know, firefighting uh, guys, and then uh, inspector investigator classes. There are um, available there too. So if anybody wants to really you know kind of get off into inspector investigator, uh, I would recommend getting your your uh, your um, state certifications first with those the NFPA. I mean, I end up paying the FSAC certificates and then potentially looking into those classes. They're a little more advanced. But, uh, and then, um, you know, everyone always hears of the executive, uh, executive fire officer, EFO. Uh, you have a bachelor's degree, you get into that. But if, um, if, you know, if you're not, you know, college isn't for everybody. Um, so they have a managing officer's program, which is kind of like a mini version of that. And uh, you don't have to have a degree or anything to get into that. It might, or you might have to have an associate's degree, um, but uh, a little easier to obtain. And then another one for anybody interested in uh, emergency management, which I, I know is not really exciting, but you know, there's definitely some opportunities in emergency management. But the uh, Emergency Management Institute, it's on the same campus as National Fire Academy. They share a campus in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Um, you can only go to National Fire Academy once a year, but you can go to, to EMI as many times as you want. So, uh, and, and and they'll fly you up. They pay for everything uh, with that as well, except for the meal plan. So both of those, when you do attend National Fire Academy or EMI, you, the only cost associated is you have to buy the meal plan to stay on campus. And so that's the 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 basically the uh, cost associated like with that, those. Yeah, the cost. Which couple? It's like three hundred bucks oh, for the week. Thing. All right, I think it's 300 for two weeks. So it's like a hundred and something bucks for the week. Um, and then the last wrapping it up here. Uh, so this is a, a, a really good one for fire behavior. Uh, fire Safety Research Institute. Uh, they, they're with uh, paired up with UL. Uh, I don't know if any, you know, anybody listening, if you ever try to sit through a UL study, it's kind of dry. And, you know, it's, it's a lot, a lot of scientific data thrown at you. The Fire Safety Research Institute has done a great job of kind of, uh, I like to call it bubbifying, uh, you know, the information so that even old Bubba can understand, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, kind of round out here, uh, NIST. So uh, they have uh, some classes online as well with uh, just click on their Engineering Laboratory Fire Research Division. And they have a couple different areas like structure collapse, fire, uh, fire behavior. Like it's very broad. So they have a bunch of stuff on NIST, uh, great information, videos, and, and classes that you can take on there. And then the last one, wrap it up, is kind of obscure. A lot of people don't know about it. It's the Rural Domestic Preparedness Consortium. Um, and this is, they don't have a whole lot of classes, but it is free training. And some of it is online, and some of it they will come to you, or they'll host um, training in a, in you know certain towns, and you can attend it for free. 
So just uh, oh. you know, just some stuff for guys. Uh, always try to pass on that that free training because guys are always looking for some type of training that they can do or, or possibly go to. And um, and like I said, then that's what builds that networking. You know, going off to these classes, um, especially the the domestic uh, preparedness consortium, Vegas, New Mexico, Colorado. Man, I've met uh, FDNY all the way to Seattle, Washington. You know, guys yeah. that I still stay in contact with from those classes. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But, uh, well, yeah, Austin, I'll, I, I'll shoot you all those uh, those links and everything. I just sent yeah, a, no, we'll de- we'll definitely post them. I and mean, we can't we can't thank you enough for your time. And you know, I and like like you said, like get out there and take training classes. You know, these relationships you develop, like you know, friendships, uh, becoming friends with you and the gang and. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. I, I just want to say thank and, you so much look, for your time. The, my Absolutely. I mean, I appreciate it. And look, the last thing I just want to end with is, you know, anybody that's that's in training, you know, just stay humble. Don't don't think you can do it all, man. Like, you know, and 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 spread the wealth. You know, whatever you learn, you know, pass it on. You know, there's no point in keeping it all yourself because there's no way for you to know everything. You know, so right. you know, yeah. can't be can't be good at it all every single aspect of this job. So, yeah, as Barry likes to say, you only have so much bandwidth. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. You know? so. I, I have dial up, so not a lot of bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Austin, thank you so much for your time. I, I hope to see you sooner rather than later, man. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All if you're right. ever up in uh, hey. if you're ever up in the Boston area, let us know for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely will come see you guys. Awesome. All right. Awesome. We <laughs> All, right, All right, Will, right. you want to uh, you want to take us out? Yeah. So uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in uh, this week with uh, Austin Graham. Some good information, obviously, on uh, building a training regimen and facilities from little to no budget or as big of a budget as you have. We really appreciate the info. Uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks for our next episode. And uh, I'm not going to steal Johnny's line, so we'll just say see you later. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. <laughs>